Dragging the Peg is recorded on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Cree, the Oji Cree, the Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome back to Dragon the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Houston, and I'll be your host. It's been a while, hasn't it? Season 1 ended in April of 2019, and since then, all you've heard from me is radio silence. How rude. I am so sorry for the hiatus, but I'm happy to announce that Season 2 of Dragon the Peg is coming out in just over a month. That's right, 16 all-new one-on-one interviews with the drag kings, queens, and things that make our city's scene so special. But I'm impatient, and I think some of you are too. You'll notice this episode might look a little different than usual. No, season 2 hasn't come early, but instead we're introducing a brand new sub-series called Queries. Here, we'll be bringing together four different drag stars each episode for a panel discussion on some of the biggest issues, topics, and questions surrounding drag in our city and in the modern age. This gives you the chance to learn a bit more about the politics of drag and listen to a whole lot more perspectives you may not have heard before. So, on the off-season, we'll be releasing a new episode of Queries on the last Saturday of each month. That means before Season 2 launches on January 11th, we'll have one more episode at the end of December and continue once Season 2 is complete. Today's episode, we'll be discussing a topic that may seem simple at first, but gets a little murkier once you really get into it. And yet, it's a necessary question to ask, especially considering the term is right in our title. Today we're asking our panel, what is drag? Once upon a time, you may have thought drag was strictly a heightened form of cross-dressing, specifically men performing as women and women performing as men. But when you bring in trans and non-binary individuals and drag artists performing as what's perceived to be their gender out of drag, and artists who do drag but completely reject the gender binary, the borders around this concept are chipped away. So how can we define this art form? Our panel today consists of four individuals with different expressions, perspectives, and origins of drag, and I couldn't be happier with this lineup. By the end of our conversation, I hope you'll have a little better of an idea of the scope of drag and who's all included, and who's left out. So, without further ado, please help me welcome our current reigning Duchess and Ms. Queer Moxie Cotton, Prairie Theatre Exchange drag class alum True North, Sunshine Bunch staple Lady Quinzar, and the matriarch of Club 200, Anita Stallion. I'm Anita Stallion. I've been performing here in Winnipeg for over 20 years. And yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, my name is Lady Quinzar. I've been doing drag around here for like almost four years. Um, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Moxie Cotton, and I've been doing drag for just over two years. My name is True North. I've been doing drag in Winnipeg for seven months. Wow, thank you all so much for joining me today. This is the first episode of the Queries podcast series where we talk about topics, discussions, ideas, and theories that you want to know about. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. So, the theme for today's episode is what is drag? So I picked you four because I think you all represent really diverse interpretations of drag and you come from different backgrounds. So, individually, could you each try to kind of explain your drag style or a little bit about your approach to drag and how you see it? Well, I think for myself, um, drag for me, when I first started, was about creating a character and from there entertaining, gender play, role reversals, all kinds of things like that. And Whereas now I think it's changing a little bit. There's a lot more diversity. There's, you know different styles of drag and I think it's a lot different also too with social media changes a lot it was more of an underground thing I think years ago Mm -hmm. it wasn't as mainstream as it is today so how would you explain the character of Anita Stallion well I think she's fabulous (laughs) (laughs) no I I enjoy uh, I enjoy my performing I I think one of the things for me going back uh, and this is where it might be a little bit different for some of the others for myself I think personifying a female I think I drew a lot from my mother my grandmother and those figures and that's the way I looked at how I approached things and how I responded and how I dealt with things and yeah so that's where for me it started and in terms of 
creating the character and who the character is becoming and who the character is. Lady Gwenzar, could you please try to explain your drag <coughs> style? My style is kind of based on trying to express like the really inner me that I've been like, you know, before I came out, I was holding in this woman inside for like 30 years. And I feel like this is, that's how at least started. Like the first time I was on stage as a woman was in drag and that was kind of how I got comfortable to come out as trans. And ever then, since then, it's just been like, you know, if I could be Lady Quinzar more of the time than not, I like it just feels like more like a true part of me that I'm allowed to express during drag and I just try to express like an honest version of who I am and what I love and really it depends on the mood or some like the songs I'm doing or the and that kind of inspires what I do because I like to do a lot of different things in my drag. Sometimes <laughs> I'm a dinosaur, sometimes I'm an alien, sometimes I'm fabulous, sometimes I'm scary. It's all little different parts of me. Moxie, how would you explain your drag style? <laughs> I I don't know, like I have like kind of a mold that I fit into, I guess, where I'm like like I hate this like term to describe people's drag, but like biological woman thing. But because I'm agender in my day to day life, I use drag to become what I think is the height of what I was supposed to be because I was raised Catholic so I was raised with the idea of really strict gender roles and like although women in my family are very like housewife or like very much fit into like an antiquated idea of femininity so I think I, I use moxie to like get all of that out so that I can comfortably exist as myself in my day-to-day life and like exercise the femininity because like the further I go with moxie and the more feminine I get with moxie the less feminine I feel when I'm not in drag so it's it's all about gender catharsis okay true north how would you explain your drag style True North is kind of a mishmash between a little bit of Hugh Hefner and a little bit of Frank Sinatra. That's where he started. You know, and so I really want to embody masculinity and be very careful it's not toxic masculinity. Um, I think right now that's a really big pressing issue we're seeing in lots of different places. So being a new king and being a new masculine person uh, when I'm in drag, being very careful that I'm not embodying what all that negative other stuff is. You know, there's so many masculine people in our world who are very feminine or very soft, and yet they're still identifying as he, him, and are very comfortable in that. But there's so many people who are being blanketed over with all this toxic, hard masculinity ego pieces, whereas I find most male-identifying people don't tend to have a lot of that when you get to know them. I think there's a front that, um, as young boys are taught, Um, or as perceived or that they take on but there's a piece there where you know inside of many men there's this piece of just the softest this gentleness this very kind inner souls that men don't fully get to express often or often enough um, in so many different facets of life and so I think True North really really tries to be that really suave sweet kind of sexy guy on stage he's maybe a little bit full of himself at times (laughs) but at the end of it there's this piece of like still very masculinely soft and confident so True North kind of started there and he's just kind of bridging out expressing to see how far that can go but being very mindful that's not toxic into it and hopefully that's not what the crowd sees or experiences with him either. Amazing. I love how all of your kind of like approaches and rationales to drag are so completely different and all so very positive and interesting and cool. So everybody it seems comes to doing drag from a different place and does it for different reasons. And obviously there are lots of barriers in the way for some people of doing drag. So my question for each of you now is why did you think that drag was the right thing for you to do? For myself, actually, when I started, um, I was encouraged to do it by someone else that actually told me that I should do it. And at that time, it was um, past performer, Charlotte Tonze, who had said, you know, you, you seem to get along with, these, with people and with performers. You should consider doing drag because there wasn't a lot of uh, Indigenous performers performing on the stage at that time. So that's how I was kind of like introduced to it. And from that point, it kind of 
be keen, that opportunity to to engage and to to see it. But to be quite honest, upon first watching it, it wasn't something I initially thought, oh, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of, it's interesting how I was kind of nudged in that direction and then I took off from there. Quinza. Well, I was kind of just like, surprise pushed into it I wasn't like (laughs) but what happened was I was like slowly being comfortable just with myself and one of my good friends introduced me to Sunshine House it's like my first or second time there Levi goes so you want to perform this Sunday and I'm like yes (laughs) I guess so what am I doing (laughs) and because when I came out a lot of doors kind of closed for me I was like a musician in a couple bands one of them like kicked me out when I refused to dress as a man in rehearsals and shows because it made like the conga player uncomfortable. It was a pretty horrible experience. I mean, I've always loved the stage. I've been like acting and singing and being a musician forever, and then it felt like those doors closed, and this one was an opportunity for me to perform as myself, and it just grew from there. And I don't know. I don't know what to do with that drag right now. Moxie. Yeah. How did you first come to do drag? Well, I mean, I'm of the generation where, like, I vaguely kind of knew what drag was in the theoretical sense. And then someone sat me down and was like, you have to watch RuPaul's Drag Race with me. And I was like, okay. And it was around season seven. And I watched it and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then um, one of the queens from the show came here and performed at Fame. So I went with some friends and Satina and Cake opened. And that was during Cake's reign as Empress. And I thought oh my god, these people are like out here doing this every day, every weekend. So I started coming to shows and then I started experimenting with makeup and I bought an ugly wig (laughs) and started going out in drag. And then eventually I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to actually try this. Like I kind of know a couple of people. Like I met Cake. I talked to Cake a lot. I talked to Prairie Sky a little bit uh, because I interviewed her for a radio show I was doing at the time. And I like talked to Satina and I decided that I wanted to perform at the in-town show for when Cake was stepping down because I was like, okay, like, this is, like, a safe opportunity, and, like, I had been to a fair number of shows, and then, like, I've always been a performer since I was little, so I was, like, looking for a way to do that and not be in, like, a rigid, very, like, classical music-oriented world, uh, because that's not fun at all. Classical musicians really take the fun out of performing. They're very good at that. (laughs) So I like, yeah, I tried it and then I couldn't stop. It was so much fun. And I felt like so queer, which I hadn't felt before. It was cool. It was awesome. neat. It was neat. Drag is neat. <laughs> I just no think drag. neat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, true. I thought I would be good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you guys watch True North Dance, he's not so good at it, but he does look pretty. So we got one thing down. He's working on the rest of it. I think that being a part of the lesbian community in the last 10 years in Winnipeg alone, there's nothing that was in the city that particularly wanted to pull me out to a specific drag show for a specific performer. You know, just being around and there's a good drag show, that was cool. Let's go watch, check it out. But there wasn't a drag king that really pulled me. You know, and when I first got here, there was a few in the city who were just dabbling, but nobody who was really long-term king performing. So I have had wanted to do drag for easily five years, if not more. You know, I think being six foot two, identifying as female, and often, unfortunately, being misgendered due to my height, I was like, well, what does it feel like? What does it look like to go out and embody masculinity in a way where, you know, I have a beard on and I just change the way I walk and I change the way I present myself a little bit. It's been interesting to walk that other line, but really I started because there was nobody out there that really wanted to drag me or pull uh, the lesbian community out enough where it would be a common name for someone to go, hey, True North performance, go check it out. Or, you know, Anita Stallion's at 200. Like, let's go see what she's got down tonight. Like, you know, I think the queens have a much easier time, especially the seasoned queens. Um, You know, there's a lot of household names. And there's no household names for season kings in the city, which is nice. So for new performers, it opens up the door a lot. But then also for looking at, 
you know, seasoned performers who I can look up to who embody masculinity is a little tougher because there isn't anybody specifically I've run across, you know, some friends or some other queer women who I know who have done drag and who have been a part of the scene and dabbled in and out, but uh, nobody who's currently performing as a king who really pulls pulls my people out. So <laughs> maybe True North can figure that out, you know. Um, I also got into drag with Gem Flex and I really enjoyed doing drag along with him. Uh, we had the same idea of embodying masculinity in a way where you almost, ideally you can't clock us. We're still learning and growing on it, but I really enjoy that there's now two kings in our scene who are very much masculine embodying that you know and really hopefully making a presence when they're out in the club of like oh that actually is a, a lesbian dressed as a dude that's kind of cool who are you what's going on here something that turns heads a little bit mm-hmm. um you know hopefully getting some more some more of our people out and interested in, in drag that's a really really interesting point especially because i mean nowadays we're seeing a few more kings being really present and out there but a lot of the kings that we see and this isn't a bad thing at all. In fact, I think it's a really great thing that a lot of kings are also comfortable kind of playing with femininity as well, which is amazing and, and great. But on the alternative, you don't tend to see so many queens playing with the masculine in a way. So I think it's really interesting to see a king that really leans into that masculinity. You're right. I, it's not really something that I'd seen before. Granted, I wasn't really in the scene much before, like, two years ago, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, next question. (laughs) Um, In the past few years, we've begun to see a sort of shift in the drag scene, where we don't just have drag kings and queens, but drag things and gender clowns and burlesque dancers and all sorts of performers kind of bridging that line between other conventional art forms and drag. And we're less strict about what gender roles people can portray, and sort of who's allowed to do it and who's not, those walls are kind of breaking down a little bit. So question of the hour, how do you define drag and what do you need to do as a performer to qualify as a drag performer? Anita Stallion, go. (laughs) (laughs) Very good question. Thank you. Um, I think that as a performer, I think it's important to, uh, to stay true to what it is you believe in, in terms of what your your style is going to be, what makes you feel comfortable. Absolutely, I think it's great to challenge yourself and go outside the box and do things that, you know, you're not so comfortable with and so sure of. I don't know, it's really hard for me to say. I think it's uh, it's been an experience in seeing how drag has evolved and has come over the years and how it's changed. And I, it's, it's really bringing in more people into the picture of, of the performing. Um, and I think that's that's always an interesting dynamic. And so, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of lost with that. It's, it's definitely, I think, one of the like biggest questions of the drag scene today. And it's so interesting for you because, as I imagine, when you started drag, it was like very rigid, kind of... Some people see this as a negative term. I don't. As like cross-dressing. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of opened the doors. So do you still have, like, do you have some kind of definition of drag that you cling to at all? I think for me, it, I, I just look at it as uh, the the performance. The, I always, people would always say, who do you do? Who, like, <laughs> when, I, when I was performing, I'd be like, well, I actually do the song the way it should have been done the first time. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and it was like that, that part of it, though, is taking someone's music, someone's art, and putting your own stamp on it. And so I think that's always important to do that and, and stay, you know. But I think right now the, the doors are open, like opening a lot wider than they ever have um, for, for entertainers to be able to be part of the art form. Quinn's are. Well, that's like, I don't know, kind of dangerous question. Like, at least for me and my drag experience and how I had to, for some of the people I had to like work to like, oh, you're not a drag queen. and. I think it's like an ever-evolving art form, like any art, and where it's it's good to know like where it started and how it came, but like I'm not gonna tell you what your drag is, and hell, you can't tell me. <laughs> like it's, it is. It's an ex- It's like it's a way to express different things inside of you that you can't always do every day. Mm. It's like telling the story of this artist, how you interpret it. It's, showing part of you that maybe you don't always get to or 
showing what you think is beautiful. Like if you kind of consider, I mean, if you don't put any work into it, it's hard to respect. <laughs> like that's the, <laughs> a little blush and don't rehearse and you don't know your stuff and you're just there. Like maybe you need to work a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Like royalties, just do it. You're right, because I think that for so long, like Anita said, those doors have been closed for specific people mm -hmm. when, I mean, I wasn't there. I'm just kind of reciting what I've heard from mm -hmm. other people, where it was like specifically cis men performing as women was kind of like all that was accepted. And non-binary people, women, um, all those people were kind of like shut out of that. Or if they were, maybe they were kind of expected to do mask drag. But for mm -hmm. you, kind of like I got, the... I got a lot of backlash for that, and like from like the trans community, from not not all, just a few individuals in the drag. Mm -hmm. uh, like for example, like so I was like performing at Club Two Hundred a couple times. It was pretty new, and I showed up just like Quinzar Quinzar, not Lady Quinzar. Mm -hmm. And I got some comments like, "Oh, you're not a real drag queen. You're just a performance artist," and just like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah. Which is weird because it seems like drag is a performance art, so it's like totally. yes, <laughs> no, but like, just like yeah. oh, you're not a true like RuPaul's definition of what. You which is so limiting. <laughs> oh God, I think. I don't think <laughs> so for you, your standard of drag is kind of more like you want to see some effort put into it. Like it requires it requires work and it requires at least a little bit of like. Like you don't have to be fucking awesome, but like. Show me what you think is beautiful. What do you think is weird? What do you want to show me? Moxie, what is drag? Oh wow! You have a podcast it's called like Is I This have Drag? An entire podcast called Is This Drag, where so. I'm an idiot on mic. <laughs> um, I think for me, I categorize like drag specifically as opposed to like a different sort of performance art as like an expression of gender so i think that drag is inherently queer and that's not to say straight people can't do drag anyone can do drag um not everyone should do drag maybe but, <laughs> <laughs> but like i don't know i feel very similarly to quinzar like show me show me something that you think is important and show me something that you think is powerful and like there kind of has to be like an aspect of gender play in there somewhere whether that's heightening your own gender or abandoning gender and being a space alien like you know like whatever that is there's i think there's always some aspect of gender in that and that's what makes it drag and not just like another kind of performance art which is equally valid and like i've had many conversations with people who have told me i don't do drag and that i'm a i'm just a performance artist i've had that conversation for hours and hours and hours and mm -hmm. i'm I've been able to change some minds, which is nice, but it takes a lot of work. And so I just, I just don't like the idea of gatekeeping drag. Mm -hmm. And I don't like the idea of telling people that they're not doing drag when they clearly are. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good answer or not. But like for me personally, I think that like gender is like at the core of drag and like thinking about gender in a way mm -hmm. and like displaying that. That makes sense. It's kind of like a heightened form of some kind of presentation. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Let's run with it. Okay. True North, what is drag? <sighs> I think there's lots of things to define that it can be within drag, right? Performance art, etc., etc. Um, I think what I'm trying to grasp is what is not drag? And mm. so that's maybe what the question is, is what is not drag and what is many things are drag what is not and so i think there's a point where we come to that we're doing a disservice by we're querying drag too far for mm -hmm. it to be recognized as drag in the first place mm -hmm. i think each of you come from a perspective of embodying femininity and so there's a kind of a glass ceiling there for kings where the irony is not the same as a female embodying a male the same way mm -hmm. you know as living your life as a male or such as and then embodying femininity within you know the drag scene mm -hmm. so i found it is much harder to uh, embody masculinity coming from a feminine perspective and so i think there is a very fine line there between what drag is not 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think for me being very careful because I want to very much embody all the masculinity I possibly can. And some of that comes down to energies too, right? And so I, just, I really, as my personal life, I see people as we all hold a feminine energy and a masculine energy. And some of us hold it 50-50, some of us hold it like 70 or more or less or whatever, right? You know, so I think somebody who, we just want to be very careful in how we present and what we do say it is and is not. But I think we're also doing a disservice to the history and the culture, you know, and the queens and the kings who have come before us and by opening the door too wide, you know. So if we're going to be too wide opening this door and then everybody and everything can be dragged. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that could be a giant slap in the face to a lot of the queens, even here in the city, who, you know, have taken the bus and God knows what happened or have some horrible experiences walking to their car or, you know, and I think that there's a point where we do need to be careful of what is not drag. And I think part of that is kind of honoring where we came from as drag performers, allowing and being allowed to call ourselves drag performers, mm-hmm. you know, but then also I don't see a little bit of gatekeeping as being a bad thing. You know, should we kick someone out of a performance and not allow them in a performance because of that? No, it's still an art. Come show us what's beautiful. Come show me what, you know, what you got. Show me show me what your performance is. I want to see what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that it can't be drag, but I think there's something that we have to be really careful here if we want to be building a community growing forward. If we queer drag too far where we can't recognize it, then what are we, where's drag going? That's interesting. A thing that I think is like kind of a a new discussion, at least that I've been having with some people that I know, uh, is like, is burlesque drag? <laughs> because like a lot of a lot of burlesque performers have started performing, not a lot, but some burlesque performers have started kind of bridging that gap. And I mean, burlesque is like certainly most of the time, most of the burlesque I see like heightened femininity. It's also mostly performed by like AFAB people, but like it's it's performative and it's so high concept. And my God, it's like, it's to music. And like, so some of them lip sync, some of them don't. So it's like, where is kind of that line? And does there need to be a line? And I mean, this isn't, I'm not a guest on this show. So I guess my performance or my, my perspective doesn't really matter at all. And he wants to hear it. But kind of, I think that like a big thing for me is like, do you identify as a drag queen? You know what I mean? Like, do you call yourself a drag queen? I know some burlesque performers that are like, no, there are similarities, but I am a burlesque performer. I'm not a drag queen. And some are like, I don't know, maybe I am. Like, sometimes I lip sync, and sometimes I feel like this, like, emphasized character that's performing a specific aspect of, or, like, function of gender presentation. Moxie, mm-hmm. you seem like you have a perspective. Yeah, like, I think that um, as art forms, like, drag and burlesque are very, like, siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's, like, that... A lot of burlesque is very comedic and a lot of drag is very comedic and like you're right about like a heightened femininity I think it really depends on like I mean you can choreograph a drag routine you can choreograph a burlesque routine you can lip sync or not lip sync um, but I think there's a difference on how you're performing and how you're framing your performance and mm-hmm. who you're performing to because like burlesque is like really suited for like up on a stage and like detachment from the audience Mm -hmm. in a way whereas I feel like when I'm the most comfortable and when I have my best drag performances I'm like right in people's faces and I can like collect tips and I can you know go lip sync straight to someone and look them in the eyes and be like this is this moment's for you and like this moment's for you and then this is for everyone like you know Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference kind of in how you're approaching your audience with both art forms if that makes sense yeah but I'm also not a burlesque performer, so maybe they see it differently. But that's just how I see it and how I've seen the burlesque I've watched in drag shows. It's mm-hmm. just a little bit, like, framed differently, if that kind of makes sense. Yes. Like, I've performed at burlesque shows, and I would never in a million years consider myself a burlesque performer. Mostly because, you're right, the framing of the performance is so unsuited for what I'm doing. Like, it's often on, like, an elevated stage. I'm up there. I don't. I can't dance for shit. I'm not trying to be sexy. And if I do, it's generally, like, in a funny way. I can't get to the audience, so normally my approach is get off the stage and get into the audience, which is not suited for the lighting. It's not suited for the sound. Like, I think that there is something that you're onto there, which is, like, the the context of performance. Performance for entertainment is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Quinzar, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. I just was going to comment about... I think there is 
Like a difference between burlesque and drag? I have done a lot of burlesque in my drag routines. Mm. But those ones I wouldn't like necessarily consider a burlesque show. I did do one burlesque show and that was like, it was a kind of different vibe. I definitely, <laughs> I don't know if I could help it, but put some drag elements in there. <laughs> but I only did that one just burlesque show, but other times I've just like worked into drag and it's definitely different. Like it's it's more than just burlesque. It's like that's part of your, your choreographed number and it's also like getting in there and telling the story, but also get pretty naked, <laughs> <laughs> which is like very empowering for me. I love my body now and I like to show it off and it's part of my showing you all what I love. <laughs> I love me. <laughs> As is your God-given right <laughs> and we're the better for it. That's another thing is that like drag isn't necessarily sexy. There are many drag performances that are not sexualized at all, mm-hmm. but it seems like almost all of the burlesque that I've seen is kind of sexualized. I don't know if I'm like overstepping that. Is that, I feel like that's obvious. Is that obvious? Well, like, I feel like, and like, again, I've never actually taken a burlesque class, but I know burlesque dancers and like, by the end of the routine, they're generally not wearing any clothes. clothes. Yeah. They have tassels. And like, I've seen, or I've heard of performers who like, there was a Christmas show last year that um, a local burlesque company did where uh, one of the dancers came out in a giant Christmas present box and then like ripped off the front and the box had nipple tassels on it. Nina. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so like, I feel like there is a sexual or like maybe not a sexual, but a sensual element to Mm -hmm. all burlesque, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely a seductive element. I also think, too, on, on the flip side of things, as you, Quinzel, you're saying how you've brought burlesque into the performance, mm-hmm. it's not the same for burlesque performers to try and bring comedy into the routine or to try and bring something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then that's what I was saying earlier when I said I, I kind of stay in my zone of what what works for me and what I've become and who my character is. There's certain songs or performances... I might not do, and it's not that I don't think I could do them. It's also to, after performing for so many years, you almost get a a sense of people expecting something from you. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it goes right down even to my look. There's times where I've changed. I remember I was constantly wearing brown, curly, long hair forever, <laughs> ever, ever in a day. The second I, I started to play with color and change, there was a difference where people would look at me strange and be like, oh, I don't know if I like that. Mm-hmm. Because they're just comfortable with what they know or what they're used to seeing you as. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it would be interesting to see a burlesque performer do something more comical. But also, absolutely, the, the difference is uh, also to their, at the end of it, they're usually removing clothing. Although I've also seen that in drag performances oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, that's true. You we know? do see a lot of nudity in drag sometimes. And sometimes, sometimes not, sometimes not planned. <laughs> sometimes not planned. We all been new. I don't know. I don't think I've seen a full drag show until I've seen Anita Stallion in a blue bowl cut. <laughs> That's what I'm expecting next time. I kind of hate that. Like, don't expect me to do things. Yeah, expect something and do exact opposite. Like, you don't tell. Yeah, but honestly, like, but that's what does. It starts to kind of create that element of, you know, these are the people that like you and perform and enjoy your performances. And it's almost like if you know, like any other artist, you know, when you're when you're watching Madonna, or you, you have a certain expectation mm-hmm. of these of these performers and of their style. So when something goes a little bit different, sometimes their fans are not totally. And that's what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. of course, you've always got to bring new things and, and and try and you know, like as of lately, I've been playing a lot more with you know colors of hair and different styles and you know. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a little bit tough because even mm-hmm. for myself, I've been doing it for so long that. It's strange to get a little bit further outside of the box, but I mean, just like the drag here in our city, it, it's, it evolves. Yeah. And I think it's just going to continue to be like that. And I think that like people who go to a drag show to see Anita Stallion, they're expecting that glamour. They're expecting that, that, that lusciousness. When people go to see a show with Quinzar, they're expecting the unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, they know that they have no idea what you're going to do. Absolutely. And that's part of your brand, mm-hmm. which is really great. I don't know how this came from what is drag. Kind of an unrelated side topic. Okay, so now we're going to get controversial. I thought it was controversial. Oh, I'm getting <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you actually talked about this in your answer. Do you think there should be a line dividing who can and cannot do drag? Or 
rather what can and cannot qualify as drag. Feel free to to be as as uh, controversial as you please, or as, as as vague as you please. I'm not expecting anybody to throw their life on the line for <laughs> drag and the vag queries. <laughs> do what you gotta do. Do you think that there are some people that shouldn't do drag? Well, I think, as a dear friend of mine, Joan has always said, and we've always believed this, to perform is, it's a gift and it's, it's, a, it's a privilege. It's not a right. So I feel that, just like with any other entertainment, um, when the people don't want you anymore, they don't want you anymore. That's what, you know, I think that's what could happen. And I believe that that's just up to your audience. Your audience either loves you or they say, you know what, thank you very much and we appreciate what you brought. But, you know, so I think it's the audience that decides that. I don't think as fellow performers we could ever decide that. We may have our own opinions about it and write names on this whiteboard, but I don't want to be the first one to write names. <laughs> That's interesting. Marie Skye has a very similar opinion in her episode, which will be the last one. Check it out, episode 13, Dragon the Pegs Season 1. But Prairie Sky said, like, all artists should have an expiry date. And, like, if you don't get off the stage when it's your time to go, they're going to force you off. That's very interesting. I like that. Rather than, like, separating by, like, demographics, mm -hmm. as kind of it has been in the past, it's more of like a... If people stop watching or if people stop being entertained by you, I think you yourself should make that call. Or they're going to grab the sheep herder fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Swipe you off stage. We could. Well, that's funny. Let's bring a clip hook to 200. Yeah. I need a stallion and gets it. We need to get the chalice and the hook. <laughs> Never forget it. Lady Quinzar, what are your thoughts? Are there people that, that, that shouldn't do drag? I think everyone should be given a chance. Like, who are we to police who does this art form? Like, mm -hmm. it is an inherently queer and it's important to recognize that. But if, I don't know, if you're a straight person just wanting to do it, like, Maybe that's so fine, but just like, just like they were saying, like, if it isn't, no one digs it, no one's gonna call you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like, you gotta work. You gotta work. I don't know. <laughs> you're goddamn right. <laughs> it'll, it'll filter you out if you're not, you know, up for the task, or you might yeah. get a little backlash if you get lots of bad rep, or if you was unprepared and disrespectful and like hours hours late and just like expecting respect and space that like you know you gotta put in your time and respect the people that like made this an art form and struggled and, but we believe it we can try i i think the cake was yeah. kind of talking on i think it was twitter she was kind of like talking about like the the all drag is valid argument and i think that yes all people should be given the platform to do drag, but if you're not good, or you're not willing to put the time in, or you're not dedicated, or you don't have some kind of connection to the community, eventually, there. I mean, you kind of squandered your place. Maybe does that is that too like I don't know. Moxie, what are your thoughts? Are there people who shouldn't do drag? I I don't think there's anyone who shouldn't try drag. I think that anyone can try drag, but I don't think everyone gets to perform. And, like, I kind of, I agree with Anita. Like, performing is a privilege. It's an honor to be asked to perform by someone. And it's an honor to have someone say, I like what you do. Can you come do a number for me? Like, that's, like, the best feeling, to know that your art reaches someone. And I think that, like, like I said before, like, I'm not saying cishets can't do drag. I'm saying that when they do drag, they're still a guest in a queer space and being cognizant of that is really important like not that you have to like lay down laurels at our feet or anything <laughs> but just like you know my focus is always going to be on the queer artists because that's who drag helps the most I think and that's I think who gets the most and gives the most in my experience mm -hmm. but like if you want to throw on a wig and a dress, throw on a wig and a dress. <laughs> like, yeah. you can go out and drag and not perform. Yeah. And you can try performing once and never perform again just to see what it's like. Like, I don't think getting on a stage once is necessarily committing your entire life to this, right? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, no, I I, I like the I like what you said, Anita and Quinzara, about, like, the audience deciding, right? Like, if people don't like what you do, then step it up or go stop doing it, you know? Or... 
drag is always going to be mostly for the performer. Like, you know, my drag is for me. And it's just a happy coincidence that other people <laughs> like it and want to see me do it. But, like, if no one liked me performing, I would probably still go out and face, you know, just to have that thing for myself. But I think with any art form, the audience decides when they're done. That's a really great way to kind of, like, communicate kind of my feelings towards cishet people, cisgender and heterosexual, not queer people, not queer people doing drag is, like, absolutely you can, but you also have to recognize that, like, no doors have been closed for you because of your gender or sexual identity. And on this episode, like, Quinzar talked about how, like, you were you were shut out of spaces because you came out. That doesn't happen for cishet people drag is kind of like the one inherently queer art form that's a safe space for us where nobody's going to kick us out because of that anymore i also think too at the same time it's the audience that we have and the community that we've had for years Mm -hmm. who are the ones that are going to be the toughest ones and and moving across the grains because they i i think it's the older generations who are feeling no this can't change too much and like you were saying earlier true about you know the gates and it's true, like, those are the people that are saying, you know what, okay, chill your heels, like, those are the people I think that are, are afraid to see so much change and are, are giving, like Moxie was saying, challenging of, who are you and you're not a drag queen? I think that people are so afraid of change. And that's also another key point to it. Because I think they're afraid that the change may be too much and it will lose the identity of being part of the community. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And mm. also, too, the other thing is, knowing that drag came from... And knowing that, you know, the riots and the Stonewall riots were celebrating our 50th anniversary, that's also part of the history, too. So I think when people, people are not willing to allow too much because they want to, they want to preserve where it came from. So it's, it's, it's a really tough thing, you know, like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's tough to under, even comprehend because it's mm-hmm. not myself. I don't even, I don't have feelings towards mm-hmm. that, but I can see and feel that around me. And yeah. I think that's where it's. You know, it's, it's a little tougher. Before we ask True this pressing question, I want to ask, do you think that's going to be the most pressing issue of modern drag? Is that, like, battle between it changing too much and people who want to hold on to what they've known for so long? You know what? I, I don't know. I'd like to hope not, mm-hmm. because I think it's important to, to really embrace all the newness and everything. As our society and the world changes, of course, all these things like drag along with that should change as well. Mm -hmm. If we're expecting people to be so accepting of our community, we ourselves have to be accepting within our community. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, a big key part of it. To see how the different colors of our flag, rainbow, are kind of separating a little bit is kind of scary because it's almost like you're seeing people within our community that are being some of the the biggest... Exclusionists? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really... That's hurtful. And it is, but mm-hmm. but that's unfortunately that there is a part of that within the community. We always have things that we we have our own struggles as within society, but to have that within our own family, I guess, feels kind of yeah. weird, and it's it's not comfortable because I think it's very you, you really got to be careful because it's like you can't say to someone I accept you into my home, however, oh you're not gonna you're not welcome to sit, and it can't be like that. It's got to be. I don't know, I'd like to hope that it's not going to be something that gets worse. (laughs) Is there a war coming, and who's valid? A little bit. (laughs) Like, a little bit. Like, it's getting mainstream kind of popular. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas before, just, it was in the queer community, now it's, like, national television, there's drag shows all over the world, there's tons of just not queer people are into that show. Mm -hmm. And and it's going to be kind of a battle, I think, just like any art form that the masses that didn't really create it appropriate yeah <laughs> and like <laughs> little girls like, i want to be a drag queen for queen <laughs> or like you know like they see that stuff and then it will lose some like respect just because it's getting popular but that's there's also a double-edged sword like it can be a good thing so like you know it's getting okay for people to see like people playing with gender and might help to raise the awareness and like people are just people so try to kill us please <laughs> but then it does risk like the vanillaing or the unqueering of drag good so one. it's bad and good i don't know if you can stop it now 
Now, finally, your chance. I do think it's up to us as the performers of right now, of what we're doing right now. There's a huge influx of, you know, young little drag babies running around Winnipeg right now. Hell yeah. You know, and for those of us who have our name out there a little bit more, I think each one of us in this room has been on a few stages and people recognize a few names here. But, you know, for us to be the ones who are the ones who aren't on queering drag, you know, yes, we can kind of flux to what mainstream population is looking for if we know if we're asked to perform outside of the queer community in an establishment that is either new or open or wants to bring more openness to their establishment and their their clientele and their people i think that's fantastic i'm excited to see that more in winnipeg winnipeg's being more open that way you know but also as performers Quins are someone like yourself who you're gonna do what the hell you want right <laughs> they could request something they could request a nice posh whatever and you could be like no not today honey i'm dressing right? as lord freezer yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's it's, it's us as those performers to, to take that stance be like no this is what my drag is this is what i'm bringing to you that's a good point like don't unqueer yourself just because you're invited to not queer spaces yeah that's important too yeah, yeah. like oh is this safe you make well, it safe, honey. You, you called me. Yeah. <laughs> I think going back to also having little drag babies running around, I do agree with some of you folks around, you know, it is definitely a privilege to be performing and to be asked to perform again. I, I would like really like to see performers step it up. Mm -hmm. I think that there's some folks that I watch and I'm going, you know, I like the way they look or I like the way they move, but there's these, these pieces, there's all these different whole aspects of drag that come together and make a drag queen, a drag king, whoever you want to identify as is in that drag persona. But there's so many aspects of drag and I would love to see so many performers step up their game. <laughs> you know, I think that part of that is also being open enough to accept that, okay, I'm here in face, I put a wig on, a uh, little uncomfortable or maybe very comfortable by now, but also just stepping on and doing something is just not good enough. We have enough drag babies in this city, that we could really make a name for drag in Winnipeg. Part of that being is that, you know, work on it. Work your shit. Work on what you need to work on and be open to hearing what that is, right? If you're not sure what it is, hell, go ask anybody who you trust to be like, hey, so how was that? What yeah. do you think? What should I improve on? What needs to be better next time? You know, I want to see people really step it up. Like I said, True North and a great dancer, he's working on it. Maybe one day he'll figure out how to use two feet instead of one. Right? <laughs> but being aware of that, that's where he wants to step into. It's hard doing drag and not being able to dance. <laughs> I feel like the difference between drag and other art forms is kind of like, because it's so unrigid, we kind of don't really know what the standard is, but you kind of have to set your own standard. Right. Like what Quinzar said, like you, you have to do something. You have to, you have to yep. work on it, and no matter what it is, and that's not reliant on how much money you spend, but you need to have energy, and you need to have, you need to put that passion into it. And I think a lot of drag is about attitude. Yes. Right? I think any new drag baby, before you really get that wig on, you put on that first set of heels, and you learn how to walk. And in that walk, you learn that attitude. Like you are just the best. You're gonna walk down there, turn those heads, girl. Right? And so that's the first thing that you kind of learn as little baby drag people is just you learn how to have that presence, command that room, use that energy. Right, mm -hmm. Having said that, that does not mean to inflate your own ego into that room. Yeah. Right, There is a big room full of lots of other people in there who you know have everything figured out, who have that bar leveled up. Right, Come in, be humble, use your energy, use that persona and that, that collective person who you are but work it and work it hard like I want to see things leveled up in Winnipeg there's a lot of people who can level up there's a lot of people who've got it who have that natural talent just refine it right there's mm -hmm. things that we could really do here in the city and I want to see that happen and not just people going well we're getting more popular this is nice no what about work your shit like uh -huh. you got something here yeah. let's, let's work with it okay. a lot of people get like artists get stuck I think it's like, oh, I'm good at that. They like that. And they kind of get stuck and afraid. Like, oh, if I do this, maybe they won't like it. Well, and the crowd and the people will tell you. But especially mm -hmm. to, like, drag babies, it's important for the more experienced ones. Like, like this is the start of something. Like, where can you, where can you go? Kind of push them. As a, as a new one, it's kind of hard to, like, go up to the big fucking cakes and Anita's and, like, 
Help me. <laughs> you can. I always come to you. No. <laughs> I can, but when I was new, I'd be scared as fuck. It's like even to talk to some people, like just like the intimidation. Like, I don't know. I was, I was lucky. Like, I had some good drag family. <laughs> she who must not be named. Mm-hmm. And Prairie Sky, like, really pushed me. They gave me space to do what I would when a lot of other people wouldn't. They allowed me to grow. They did encourage, they told me, like, no, no, don't do that, that's stupid, mm-hmm. right, it's a big learning curve, and I like to go up and do different things and not be satisfied. Moxie, did you have a point? I think that what's weird about drag as opposed to, like, because I come from a background where I danced as a child, I did musical theater, I went to school for classical music, And I think the weird thing about drag is that there's no canon, there's no theory, there's no, like, set list of rules. Like, you can be a dancing queen, you can be a look queen. Anyone who's gonna make it is gonna find that and work on themselves, right? Like, there's no real, like, all-encompassing, like things you like a list of things you have to do to be a good drag artist right like there are people who can't dance for shit and they still get on stage and have that attitude and that presence that you're talking about and they can still sell a number and then there's people who can you know watch a music video and copy all of the dance moves and you know pull that off really fiercely and like i think it's just about finding what you're good at and then getting better and better and better right because a lot of people don't have access to things like dance class or makeup class or like, you know, whatever, whatever that may be. So it's about finding what you're able to improve on your own and with the help of your friends and then honing your own craft. No one's going for like weekly hour long private drag lessons for 10 years to become this like equivalent to like a piano prodigy or whatever, you know, right? Like, and I also don't think like, Anyone is naturally good at all aspects of drag. You know, everyone has stuff they can work on. As time's gone on, I I love performing. Don't get me wrong. However, I would much rather host or MC something. And I, I love the, the time in between numbers where something's going on and you've got to interact with somebody or do something on the fly that's not scripted. I love hosting games. Oh, oh bless you, dear. Bless you. I love uh, hosting game nights where you've got to... The challenge of working with people and trying to get them to do something or that's what I enjoy like that that's the challenge that I love it is trying to be able to pull that off because it's it could be a nightmare or it could be <laughs> fabulous but it, it, I love that that challenge of the hosting and the emceeing and interacting and how to get people involved in whatever it is you're you're doing mm-hmm. so it is, yeah I, I think it's really interesting what do you think is the purpose of drag I think the purpose of drag is to allow yourself an opportunity to express yourself in the art form as you see you want to you want to display your character. It's going to be whatever it is you see and, and like we were talking we've been talking about all day. It's not necessarily just males performing as females, females performing as, as it's it's everything. It's encompassing all of that. And as drag grows and as we all grow and society and everything changes like we 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 have to evolve along with it so i think we just have to continue moving forward to what what it's going to become and i think it's going to become more and it and it's just like everything it's going to it's going to be different it's going to be change is sometimes tough for people but it doesn't mean that it's bad <laughs> Quinza. purpose of drag i think that's very personal the individual it's like yeah. the purpose is what you make it into Mm -hmm. like i'm doing drag for this that's kind of what your purpose and your guide should be which is very different for everyone like Mm -hmm. it could be just be to express a part of you that's inside it could be to play this character that you love it could be like an outlet where you wouldn't normally have space to perform an art craft that you are you know passionate about it can be just what you want it to be and what you hone it just like an honest expression of yourself or what you love moxie well 
Yeah, I like Quinsar totally stole my line. Um, drag, is, drag is what you make it, and it's only as important as how important you feel it is. Like at the end of the day, we're all a bunch of morons and wigs running around like chickens, you know? Like it only matters. <laughs> it only matters as much as you make it matter. So, like to me, it matters a great deal, and my purpose of drag is to deal with my shit. It's the therapy I can't afford. It's like the <laughs> purest expression of who I was told I had to be and taking that and harnessing that and making it a positive force in my life instead of allowing it to breed more negativity, you know? Like, that's what I use drag for, but there's no real purpose to drag. There's no real purpose to art. When art starts to have a purpose, then it starts to be commodified and then it becomes unpure and that's gross and capitalism sucks. Socialism <laughs> queen moxie. <laughs> she had to like, sneak that in. Oh, I love that. You know what I mean though, right? I do, of like course, when you yeah. start doing drag for a purpose that isn't your own or when you start playing music for something that isn't your own, then I think you start to lose the real heart of it. And I don't know. The purpose of drag is to have fun and get drunk. <laughs> and it can be as simple as that. Like, that can be why you do drag, to go out and party. That's yeah. okay. Just do that. Do it. I also think it's interesting, too, because socially, people are very different with drag and the alcohol added together. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. see a very different side of different people. So I think that's also interesting, you know, when you're out and about. And yeah. Yeah. It's... Well, yeah, and, like, I, I hate performing sober because I feel like I'm not really, like, this is going to sound really bad, but I don't feel like I'm really moxie if I'm sober because <laughs> because I'm really different out of drag. I'm a lot more muted and I'm a lot calmer and I'm a lot mm-hmm. more anxious and timid. And then when I'm moxie and I get a drink or two in me, I'm like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. It just turns on and I'm, I'm a different person. It's too bad nobody can see the Baileys that you're drinking with your coffee. I wish I had. <laughs> I really wish I had Baileys, but I'm here full egg with Subway Deep coffee. <laughs> True. What is the purpose of drag? Oh. Each performer to themselves. You know, for me, drag is to kind of push through those experiences that I haven't really dove into, like mm-hmm. dancing. Um, stage stuff, sure, but not lip syncing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think pushing a... The, pre- the perspectives of personality that are not always uh, able to be shown in public. You know, so back to True North of just being a really confident kind of guy. JC's also pretty confident, but also in a different way, right? There's a different way that that energy can be taken and really pushed a little bit differently when I'm in drag. You know, so for me, it comes down to my own just expansion of, of experience and pushing myself to what I'm kind of scared of, being a little bit fearful. Unlike Moxie, I'm always sober when I perform. <laughs> so Cruz is a little stiff, you know, it's because he's sober. Um, but uh, I think it's just different for everybody. And to take the perspective of, a social perspective of what is masculinity and what is femininity. And to be able to step into that masculine energy is very different and actually much more difficult than I was expecting it to be. Um, and I think that there's specifically a few queens I have in mind who step into that energy very powerfully. Um, I think because they live their lives as as men and then you step into a role as a feminine woman, you still carry that energy of presence with you. Um, and that's not something that can be really taught. Like someone can strive towards it, but some people have that and they just bring it into their femininity and it really commands a room. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for me, that's one thing I want to work on also is like commanding that masculine energy and a presence in a room that as a woman growing up as a little girl, that you never have that opportunity to step into. You're always told to step back, you know, be quiet, be submissive, all those little pieces. And then all of a sudden now you're embodying a masculine person what that looks like to really step in and command and have that presence. And, you know, so those are all personal things for me of why I do drag and what we push as drag and what isn't drag. So I think as a whole is to kind of level up yourself. Well, Moxie yeah. found the reason and it's alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Like level up yourself. Something because I, I've just done my first drag king and it was hard yeah. to remember to be, I was like, Oh yeah, I got to like, not be all femme and it was hard to not <laughs> cut myself so many times and I was like okay I'm gonna use my man voice today. <laughs> <laughs> but it was hard to say and then I think it was going like this and I was like wait no 
It was really, it was like, so when I'm in my femme, super femme lady queens are drag, I'm like comfortable. I ask some of the queens, I sometimes stay in face till the next day. I'm like, <laughs> I like it, I live in it. It's like, just like expressing an inner part of me. And this one was like doing a part I've kind of hidden away and like fought to like not be identified as and then to try and do that on purpose. It's quite painful. Everyone's like, oh, I want to see you do that again. Like, I don't know if I ever want to do that again. <laughs> I mean, I think I want to because I've just suppressed the masculinity, which is part of me, like, obviously. Um, yeah, but I think it was good because it was something that was not like, I don't know, I kind of wanted to do it, but it was like very hesitant and. I was uncomfortable. Like, that was the first time I was like, I can't wait to go home and get into this and unbind. And, like, it's, <laughs> it's interesting and just a very different perspective. Yeah. It's definitely to expand yourself. Well, what is drag? Who the hell knows? Who cares? Just go cross-dress and have fun. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today for the first episode of Queries. Thank you so much to Moxie, True, Quinzar, and Anita for joining me for the first episode of Queries. Join us next month as we deep dive into another hot topic with four new guests. And a huge thank you to Claire Boning of Veneer for the brand new intro and outro. They're very spiffy and I love them very much. Lastly, thank you to Kammer of Gay Lunch Podcast for lending me your microphone to record this episode. Please check out his podcast, Gay Lunch, on iTunes and wherever else you listen to your casts. It's an amazing deep dive into our city's queer community as a whole. And if you have a topic, theme, or idea you'd like to see dissected on queries, DM us on social media, or shoot us an email to dragonapeg at gmail.com, and you may hear it featured in the next episode. Until next episode, remember to always tip your local drag artists. Mm-hmm.